This is your favorite podcaster, Romina, and you just tuned in to RM Podcast FL. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Happy Monday. Um, today's Monday, right? Because I feel like I'm, we're losing... <laughs> I feel like we're losing the sense of what day it is because everybody just home and every day sometimes just looks the same. <laughs> How are you today, Ryan? Oh, I you put it best there. I love my house. It's a beautiful home. I love my family. I love my son, my wife, and everything. But you know, I, I like I hate to say I'm totally boring and not cool and never leave my house, and because it's true. But now that I actually like can't. I'm starting to get a little stir crazy, which is totally weird because I never leave my house other than to go do work. So yeah, it, it definitely getting stir crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's too much. I feel like there's no handbook of how to deal with such a thing. So sometimes we have to think outside of the box and try to, you know, try to come up with a solution, but I know we have Ryan before in RM podcast. I felt you guys. So Ryan, I just want to pass on the mic to you to sure. introduce yourself a little bit to everybody and tell them what you're an expert on. Cause we know you're really good at real estate. Well, thank you. Uh, the truth is just one day I woke up and I was sick of being lied to. I was sick of the, oh, go to a good school and then you'll get a good job and just work really hard and you can retire and live on the beach and blah, da, dee, da, which turned out to not be true at all because I'm saddled with student loan debt and stuck at a job that I absolutely hate and is unfulfilling. And just one day I went, enough is enough. I am going to go start my own business and I am not going to settle uh, with what I think my life is going to be about. So basically I took several years to figure out who am I and what do I really want to do from a charity standpoint and from a professional standpoint. And after looking at over a hundred businesses, I found real estate and more specifically mobile home parks. So mm -hmm. I have purchased 13 mobile home parks. It's a little bit shy of 1400 units I've got several employees. I work from my house and I deal specifically in affordable housing. I absolutely love it. I am completely passionate about what I do, albeit I'm terrified of what's going on in the economy right now. The truth of the matter is to be to have a big affordable housing portfolio relative to owning some other businesses. I, I've really got a lot to be thankful for because in theory right now, if anything, a demand for affordable housing is just going to go up in an, in an economic crisis. So I would like to think, knock on wood, I'm really well positioned, but that's who I am. That's what I do. I'm 32 years old. I'm turning 33 next month. Uh, so I'm young. And I just, you know, if, if you learn nothing else from me, just learn, like, do not settle. You can do it. I'm not that smart. I'm not that hardworking. I'm just un, I was just unwilling to settle on a job that I wasn't passionate about chasing someone else's dream than my own. Now you did say that the, the demand for affordable housing is going to go up with everything going on in the market right now. Can you explain a little bit what the affordable housing would be compared to um, like mortgage and stuff? Like what would be the biggest difference in there? Well, yeah. So here's a really tough question. What happens to all the f people who lose their jobs and lose their credit and have very little money and they can't get approved to buy anything because they just defaulted on their their mortgage or they X, Y, or Z just happened. So they got to live somewhere. Otherwise, they're going to be homeless. And that's what I do is I provide good people who have a riskier profile in terms of being able to pay you back. And I 
Yeah, I mean, th th I would think that if the unemployment numbers continue the way they're going, which I saw an article this morning, I think it was in Wall Street Journal projecting it's p potentially 30% unemployment, which is like Great Depression levels. That's crazy. There are gonna be a lot of there are gonna be a lot of folks who need a cheap, safe, clean place to live, and that's what I provide. What? Uh, how would you say you've changed your strategy a little bit, or have you applied any uh, strategy, new strategies um, since the um, since two weeks now? Because I feel like it's it's been only two weeks, but there's so much information every day that it's super loading. I am not changing anything yet because I don't know what's going to happen. I know I have a lot of elderly folks who have SSI checks, disability checks, stuff like that coming in pretty much no matter what. I expect them to fully pay on time like nothing ever happened. I've got a lot of construction worker folks who uh, depression wouldn't or even just a recession probably won't hit them for several months. I don't expect anything from them. Right now, I've definitely gotten calls and, and messages Hey, I just got laid off. Hey, the X, Y, and Z. Pretty much so just from the people who don't pay me on time anyway. And I can almost guarantee you anytime something's in the news, that's always the reason why they don't have their rent on time. So at least so far, no, it's, it's late. It's not April yet. So I don't yeah. know. But so far, it I would project that we should be 100% collected mid to late April. So I don't anticipate having to really shift my strategy. Um, but I, I got on the phone with every single one of my employees this morning. And I basically said, look, business as usual, if it's, if someone runs into a spot that have been excellent tenants for us for a long, long time, yeah, let's work with them. If it's yeah. someone who once a month, we're on the phone with them, texting them, calling them, chasing them down. The answer is no, they're trying to be optimistic. So that's another interesting gray area that I play ball in because I'm not a non-for-profit. You know, I've got a business to run. I have people who depend on me. Correct. To to run a tight ship. And the, the truth of the matter is it is business as usual. I mean, I've got some great people in a good economy and a bad economy who have always paid me perfectly and then just run into something that I'd be willing to work with anyways. And then I have your run-of-the-mill folks who are just going to try to take advantage of me and everyone around them because it's just who they are. And I would handle them like I normally would. So the truth of the matter is until I, like I have some ideas of, of how we can work with folks and do things, but until further notice, it's, it's business as usual. And we have a question from Ian. It says, Ryan, how quickly do you think we should open up to the economy? Some politicians say by Easter. So funny story. That's actually my business partner. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's uh, that's a bit of an inside joke. So is I that have... why he was actually said expert is a stretch because I was wondering if he would actually be a friend of yours earlier. <laughs> it's a funny story. He's my business partner, and that's a that's a he's he's doing an inside joke, which is hysterical. Um, but so uh, my wife is she's got her master's degree in nursing. She's thick and through thick and thin had been she's she's seen too many things she can't unsee right so yeah. i've never i was a psych major undergrad and then my master's is in business i know nothing about medicine my wife knows way too much so i'm washing my hands like 50 times a day because she just she knows too much and so she's just she bombards me with all the facts and everything that she reads and, and it definitely fuels the fire of the um you know, the, the, the panic, at least in me. Yeah. And, th but then this begs the really relevant, tough 
kind of morbid question of like, at what point in time, if we, if Dr. Fauci or however you pronounce his name is correct, and we're going to lose a hundred thousand to 200,000 lives, like at what point in time do you put a price tag on human life? And that's a really tough question with a lot of gray area to ask. And from my perspective, I understand business. I don't understand medicine. From my wife's perspective, she understands medicine. And, you know, we both can speak intelligently to each other's discipline. Yeah. But the truth is, she's basically like, shut her down like indefinitely. And me, on the other hand, I'm like, well, at a certain point in time, we will have reached the the curve and your our medical capacity should open up. And in theory, we should be able to open it back up. It's just a tough question. It really is a tough question with not, I'll put it to you this way. I am glad I'm not the one to have to make that call because on the one hand, you have to look at, I think uh, a top restaurant tour recently said we could lose up to 50% of our restaurants because yeah, you can do the curbside thing, but how much business does that really generate? I mean, how many, you know, restaurants in general are so low margin. How are they going to weather this storm when they're losing 75% of their foot traffic? So a lot of companies that have already been paycheck to paycheck or are pretty close to it or not very liquid are really going to struggle even with the SBA loans and, and other ways that the government's going to help small business. It's just, we're, we are, it's going to crash. It's crashed really fast and it's going to take a real long time to go back up in my opinion, the economy. So I have a question because you said your wife is in the medical field and you mm-hmm. are a business owner. How mm-hmm. are you guys helping each other to kind of keep your cool at the same time? Because I'm sure she gets a lot more information, is a lot more bombarded with information than you are. You look at yeah. it from a business perspective. She's looking for the medication, med- medicine perspective. Correct. How are you guys keeping your cool and how are you helping each other cope with the whole situation? Because sometimes like yesterday unfortunately i lost my temper and i yelled at one of my family members because it's really stressful sometimes it is yeah um alcohol (laughs) alcohol is great um (laughs) because we also have an eight-month-old who also screams at us constantly uh and then he sprinkles in a couple smiles and a couple dadas and then you're like okay you can continue to scream at me for the rest of the day totally worth it yeah it's tough i mean i'm so thankful that i found the right woman and yeah. I'm so thankful that we we have a really we disagree extremely well and we know how to kind of get in each other's faces, but then no one to scale it back. So we're we disagree ref- very well. Yes. I mean, it's it's really important to have someone who you can really be completely and totally and utterly honest with. Mm hmm and know that you're going to get that right back and they're going to know how to calibrate themselves when they can kind of lay into you a little bit and when they can kind of come back and just be like, all right, let me give you a big hug. You know, it's tough. It's stressful. It really is. It's really stressful. I mean, I had a really rough day yesterday and you know what we just did? We just, we both, we, we got a glass of wine and put on when Harry met Sally. And then by the end of it, we were, you know, cuddling and, and kissing each other goodnight and everything was, you know, it was like, you know what, we're, it's all in your head. It's all in your head. If you can break the cycle of rumination and, and you have the, the infrastructure in place of the people who care about you, um, you, you have everything, you got your health, you got your family, you've got everything. And then your occasional glass of wine. It does. Of course. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, wine definitely helps nowadays. I will, yeah. I will very openly say it. <laughs> uh, what did you say would be some of the biggest do's and don'ts for the real estate market right now? So I said this on my podcast. When you study the history of recessions and especially in depressions, the kind of overwhelming theme history repeats itself, right? Is step one is always survival. You need to focus on survival. And step two is capitalize on opportunities come recovery time. Recovery time is not going to be anytime soon. I would say probably maybe summertime we'll start to see a little bit of an uptick. But if you look at this, what the Spanish flu did back in 1918, oh, it came back and with a vengeance in the fall. So we may just be getting started here. So it's going to be a big wait and see game. And that's why when you go to business school, one of the best, most important and most simple lessons that they teach you in business school is cash is king. Three words, cash is king. If you have I feel the like money, they don't teach this enough sometimes too though. They don't. And a lot and that's why I think a lot of restaurants are that's why that one restaurant tour was like we could lose up to 50% of our restaurants. And the reason is because if you are a low margin uh, business that depends on high volume of sales and and you don't have a lot of cash on hand as a result, what are you going to do when your business has to go shut down for, you know, a couple months? Mortgage payments, yeah, maybe you can put a hold on them, but your mortgage company, they want their money. I mean, my zero of my bankers have reached out and been like, hey, you can pay late this month, or hey, you know, we'll we'll punt we'll punt for this month. No, no one said a word no. to me. So, you know, like if your cheesecake factory, I don't know if you saw that in the news, yeah, you can tell your landlord publicly that you're not gonna pay them because I you, didn't see that. Yeah, basically they threaten not to pay their any of their at all, any of their their leases. And I don't think it's because Cheesecake Factory can't afford it. I think it's because they have enough volume that they can basically force a uh, a fight at the negotiating table. Small businesses can't do that. I mean, I I'm a you know I may have what I think we have like four million dollars in debt right now, um, and then we were taking out several million more in loans. That's nothing. That is nothing. That does that's not even a rounding error for a company like Wells Fargo that's sitting on quite literally trillions of dollars. So like, I can't, I, as a small business owner, I, I don't have that kind of sway. The only way I get around that is by being very liquid. And so my, my advice to everyone right now is you weather this storm, you do whatever you can to make sure you are liquid or you have quick access to capital to pay your bills. And then you get ready because all the other people who either got too aggressive during this downturn or were basically living paycheck to paycheck, so to speak, as a business during this downturn, you're going to have some serious opportunities come up. So you need cash on hand for two reasons. Number one, so you don't die. And number two, so you can take advantage during the recovery period. And also, because you did you did say right now, it's more like a survival. Ooh. Opa. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's me. Uh, right now, you did say it's more of a survival time, but as a business owner, what's the mental process of you going from a strive to like, you know, hitting more of market and like investing more in a business to changing to within days to a survival mode? Because that's not easy. It's not, and it's not going to happen quickly either. Because the truth of the matter is, so the federal government basically said we're shutting. You should effectively not leave your home until April thirtieth. And yeah. rumors this morning are that they're going to basically say to do that through June. So the truth of the matter is, no one knows. 
And also, if you go outside, you'll see that a lot of people don't even care and they're going outside anyways. No, so the truth of that, and then a bunch of people are, you know, are going to get the $1,200 check or whatever tiered structure that's going to be. So there is just some serious unknowns out there. We don't know how long this is going to be. We don't know how much cash people are sitting on. If you look at macroeconomics, like Fidelity, for example, estimated something like over 50% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck and now they don't have a job. I mean, how does that affect everything? How much do people have in their savings? Probably not much if they're living paycheck to paycheck. So a $1,200 check could make a big difference. But yeah. does $1,200 make a big difference in New York City versus Iowa versus Nebraska versus – no. I mean, it's it's totally different. It's what the cost of – I mean, that's not even someone's rent. That's not even half of someone's rent yeah. payment in New York City. Like in New York City, you're probably looking at an apartment, like a small, tiny apartment. You're probably looking at paying $1,500 for just an apartment itself. Yeah. So it, it's going to affect people in different areas differently. Um, yeah, I just – there's so much uncertainty right now that it's – yeah, it's impossible to really know. I feel like it's unfortunately this is going to but also correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like this is going to bring like a whole new revolution. Number one, it's going to mark a whole different mark in the history. Um, and yep. it's going to be one of those things like like how we look back now at the Spanish flu. We're going to look back and be like, hey, I survived this situation. And number two, I feel like you, you, we need to come stronger out of this and be there for one another and towards like real estate world so a lot of people so back in when 2008 2009 history of time frame when people had money they actually took advantage of it because that's when they start buying properties and that's when they start investing more because they right. now they saw you know a comeback of it would you would you suggest maybe to do the same if you have capital to actually invest it on real estate right now i would say wait and here's why i don't think people are feeling the pain yet so the truth of the matter is, if you're like me, we're well over 95% collected for March. There's I can count on one or two hands the number of people across all my properties who have not paid yet, or at least haven't paid in pretty close to in full, like within 100 or 200 bucks. So I feel nothing right now. I will also feel nothing until April 6th because we give a grace period to all of our residents and late fees are assessed on the 6th. Typically, even then, I, if I'm kicking butt, I'm at about 80% collected by the 6th. And a lot of my properties aren't even, and they're really, they're not about 80% collected until about the 10th. And it's I don't really hit 90, 95 until a little after the 15th. Just for whatever reason, every now and again, there are folks that just, you know, they, they're behind a paycheck. Mm -hmm. and they'll always pay they'll pay within 30 days but it's going to be middle slightly towards the end of the month so in other words i don't know and i'm not gonna know until mid late april how i'm doing and i run a really tight ship because i am on my properties myself yes i have yeah. employees um yes i some i need to be careful for for micromanagement because I'd like to be really in, in with my, my own residents too. But at the same time, like, because I'm there on my properties, I guarantee you the folks who don't pay know I'm going to be showing up and I'm, we're going to have a conversation. It's not going to be an ugly one. It's going to be a firm one, but they know where I'm going to be there. And because I'm able to kind of microscope in and work with my employees and get them what they need to be successful, I know that we're probably going to be fine. There are a lot of people that are barely making ends meet 
as is mm-hmm. who aren't going to feel this pain until at earliest middle of April. And really, it's probably going to be longer than that, especially as a landlord, if you can't evict. It could be potentially way longer than that. And then folks who have rental properties with with mobile homes that are older or homes that are older, as people leave, boy, they leave in, they leave a mess and they yeah. break things. And there are a lot of times there are things broken they never told you about. So in other words, and then a security deposit only goes so far. So in other words, what I'm saying here is, what you are eventually going to see here is people are going to struggle. People are going to have poor collections. People are going to have a windfall of things to fix. People are going to have vacancy rates very, very high and not a lot, potentially not a lot of good quality people looking to move because the people who are going to be looking to move are the people who are going to get evicted or people who are teetering on eviction. So in other words, the people who are probably better qualified are probably bracing right now for impact. So in other words, I don't think a lot of people, so I'll give you, for example, a friend of mine in North Charlotte, she has a lakefront rental property and Mm -hmm. she's had it for something like 15, 20 years. Not once has she ever posted an ad for that in X number of years. Has she ever posted an ad and not had it leased up within like 24 hours because it's right on Lake Norman? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. She posted an ad. She's gotten zero phone calls in a week. It's the first time ever. So what that tells me is if you are eyeing real estate for your next investment, I do encourage you to do it. I do think prices are coming down. I don't think that's right now. I think that's going to be plus or minus six months from now. And we also have a question from Jennifer. What, what about folks who are in the process of buying their home? Would you recommend, um, recommend working with them? How would you recommend working with them? So that's actually my wife. I was wondering. Cause of yeah, the last that's, that's awesome. Thanks, sweetheart. I love you. Uh, I'm going to send one more text. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can get someone else to um, ask their question. Yeah. Maybe a question on my Facebook. I also have another one because you didn't mention the landlord and the eviction. And there's so much crazy information going on out there right now that I feel like we don't even know, like if people can get evicted, if people cannot get evicted, if they're lit on their end. An article says that the landlords are not allowed to evict people. Another one says they are allowed to evict. So it's a lot of information right now and Mm -hmm. it's coming from all sources. So we don't know what's going on. State by state. So certain states have different legislation and they're handling evictions and foreclosures differently. So my recommendation is check with your local state and figure out what you can and can't do. Um, And to answer my wife's question there, you know, you're in the process of buying. If you're buying a single family home right now and you're doing it through a traditional lender, it's 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 just a weird time because a lot of banks uh they're backing out on things so for example i have a property under contract and we got a basically an email saying we're out out of nowhere despite being well into due diligence and the reason being is because oh yeah and that was that was rarely it rarely happens that was not cool because they basically said hey we're this is a slam dunk we like you guys. We like your podcast. We like all your LinkedIn content. We see all your properties. You've sent us quite literally everything, all your balance sheets, all your P&Ls, all your tax returns. So you can prove with bank statements and everything. You are who you say you are. 
We love it. We're in the debt coverage ratios through the roof. We'll even give you a line of credit on top of this loan. So you can do, you know, you can improve it faster. So in other words, it was like 75% loan to value plus a huge line of credit. And the guy basically came back and said, well, we still want to do the loan, but let's bump down to 65% and no more credit. So, and the reason why is, he's like, I'm trying to work with you guys. And I know that my loan committee is going to say no to this, but if we take a lower loan to value amount, we don't have to go through as strict of loan committee. And I know this other loan committee better. And I think it's going to give us a higher likelihood of closing. So I, I'm still optimistic that we'll actually be able to get this done. But at the same time, it's like, if I'm facing that on my end, I can guarantee you single family homes, people are, are facing that too. I know C, the CMBS market is basically shut. Uh, Fannie and Freddie are adding more restrictions. So it's tough if you're trying to buy a single family home or a property right now. And this is where opportunity is born from. Because what a lot of people don't realize is, yeah, prices may come down, but there's a reason why they're coming down. It's because let, you're shrinking your buyer pool because a lot of people aren't going to be able to buy things now. And because there are there's a smaller buyer pool, bidding supply wars aren't going to get as intense. You're exactly basic supply and demand. When liquidity dries up, deals hit for those that can still buy. Hence why I said earlier, step one, survive. Step two, uh, take advantage. And how would I recommend working with folks? So how would, for example, how would I recommend other folks who are trying to do a lease option, rent to own, whatever your state legislation allows for if you're selling your home? Look, business must go on, you know, business as usual. If this is someone who you really trust quite a bit, you know, maybe you waive late fees, maybe you defer some payments, maybe you you work with them how you see fit. But again, like I said earlier, for folks that for folks that have always got an excuse, like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to work with, I, I didn't work with you last month because you lied to me and I caught you in a lie and I'm not going to work with you now. And it's not that I'm trying to be yeah. a jerk. It's just that like, you look, have to save yourself too for the bad day. Cause if you're a correct yeah. person, if you're always on time, I mean, situations like this, that's when everybody, it, like things are understood much better too. Yeah. And there's also a lot of good people that I really do want to help. And if I have people trying to take advantage of me, that's less money and less bandwidth I have, capacity I have to help good people who aren't trying to abuse the system, good people who really, truly need it. And it's just like they always say, you know, those silly warning labels on everything come because there's always that one jerk who was dumb enough to do something. Mess it up for everyone. <laughs> I have a percentage of that on all, all my properties and they're just, you know, I'm not going to let them ruin the, the overwhelming majority of great people who live in my properties that I really am looking forward to working with through a tough time. So, I mean, it's, it's business as usual for me. It's just going to be amplified a little bit because I'm going to have more people reaching out to me and I'm going to have to, you know, have more cash on hand to, to really help good people who truly need it. Um, what did you say about refinancing? Like, cause, uh, a lot of banks are, would also offer lower interest rate nowadays because they need money. In theory, they would. In practice, they it's a little bit more gray area. And again, the reason is existing loans they're pushing forward with new ones. They're they're kind of pushing the pause button for a lot of reasons. Here's a good reason no one's out. I've not heard anyone else say the capacity to refi for banks is going to be really difficult because they're going to have a lot of people calling up going, hey, look, 
I've lost 50% of my business. I still have 50% coming in. Can we restructure this loan? And if enough people with current loans out with banks call up and say, hey, let's restructure this, banks are going to want to foreclose on half of their portfolio. So they're going to work with folks. And even if it's a 10% of their portfolio, and, the, and let's say they work out deals with all of them, there's that's going to be a lot of their capacity soaked into refining their current base and, and restructuring their current base. So even if they had an appetite to refi a bunch of people, they're going to have a bunch of people right now with current loans out that they're going to need to restructure. And they have a limited number of capacity without being out. And, and think about it, even if they were to hire people, they still got to onboard them, train them, get more documents through. So it's not like, does it make sense? I'll put it to you this way. I definitely reached out to my my loan broker to try to refi my my house and he's swamped. So every, a lot of people have that same idea. And so you got to look from a loan broker perspective, they're swamped from the bank's perspective, they're swamped. So it's, um, yeah, it's a tough time. If you can do it, obviously that's great. You could lower yeah. your payment by, you know, in upwards of 30%, which would be huge for some folks. But at the same time, you got to understand that supply and demand and demand may actually prove really high right now with lower interest rates. So what about from a business owner perspective? Because I know now they're trying to make it easier for small businesses to actually get loans and they're playing around with rules and everything. But sometimes, unfortunately, people like take advantage of this and ruin it for the rest of the group, like we right. said earlier. So what would be some uh, do's and don'ts towards getting a loan for your business right now to, so this way you don't end up sinking yourself in a bigger hole down the road because it will come a time that this will all go away. Yeah, exactly. So that's the one thing I'm really proud of our government about is making lending easier because in a time of a credit crunch and a liquidity dry up event, the, the, the answer is to make cash more available because again, cash is king. So on the one hand, yeah, you absolutely need to take advantage of what the government's going to try to do for us and, and get some low cost loans from the government or from however your state or legislation is going to allow you to do it. Now, at the same time, does it make sense to go get a loan just to get a loan? No, absolutely not. That you should be able to see what your options are on the table, make the decision that makes the most sense for you. Don't lever up just to lever up because financial leverage in a very basic sense is an amplifier. It's going to amplify returns. It's going to multiply misery. So if you are wrong, it's going to just make your wrongness even more painful. So yeah, I mean, look, if you have a very viable business, you have a great business that's just going to get clobbered for the next two months because you're retail, for example, but you know it's coming back and it's going to come back with a force and you just need to float yourself for two months, it makes all the sense in the world to go get a short-term loan to float yourself. But at the same time, if you were paycheck to paycheck on your business to begin with, I don't think it's coming roaring back. I really don't. I mean, if you're if you're down 50 to 75% of your business and you want to float yourself for two months, but you think you're going to get back a giant portion of that you know, to be able to, to service this debt you just took out and some, great. If not, you're just, you are being that jerk in the room who's going to prevent someone else who really truly needs that to survive. Yeah, it's um, it's just that's going to be that's really tough. True. Really tough for might, to make those calls. That is very, very true because somebody else might need that more than you do, and yep. just 
because you decide to take a loan and not touch your capital, for example, if it's available. So right now it's also about being human, like actually just being in like uh, for other businesses as well. Because unfortunately, yes, we have a business. You want to strive as much as you can, but it's time to also look out for your neighbor, I would say. All of the above, but at the same time, it's a, it's a culture of me, right? You want to do what you can do to survive. And I totally get it. If you want to throw a Hail Mary pass, a very unlikely way to get yourself back in the game, so to speak, but it's, you know, it's the last, it's the last thing you can do to stay afloat. I mean, I, I would probably do it too. I would, you know, I have my family who counts on me. I have my employees who count on me. My business partner who counts on me. There, there are people. My residents who count on me. I mean, there are. I, I did. My heart absolutely melts when I go and visit certain residents who, every time they see me, they say, "Please don't." Like, I'm going to give you a big hug, and then I'm, I'm going to say, "Please don't tell me that you're selling," because I don't know what I would do if you would sell. And I want to do everything in my power to continue to give these folks what they get with Archimedes Group, which is our product. And it's just, it's way more than just me and, and my family. It's, it's also my residents who are a part of, uh, they are my customers. They are a part of what I do. And yeah, I mean, I get it. I would probably take the Hail Mary pass too, even if it was really unlikely. And we have another question. Lee asks, what do you think is the best way to con conserve funds and pay employees in this time? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I'd like to thank you, Mr. Black, for tuning on in. Uh, the, my, one of my best friends right there. I love the guy to death. Um, yeah, look, it's it's really tough and you really have to look at how quickly your business is going to bounce back. So for me, I'm not going to know that until late April. Uh, I've deliberately had a lot of cash re reserves, thankfully, because I'm more of a heavy turnaround type guy. So I need a lot of cash anyways. So I was really, really lucky to be in a very cash positive situation. A lot of my friends in real estate, they do things like an 8% preferred return structure where they maybe, you know, if once I return all your capital, I get half of the deal or I get this out of the other thing. And those folks are very heavily focused on let's distribute, distribute, distribute. Well, for those who just paid their quarter one distributions, they may be all tapped out at which point in time, I don't know what you can say as a property owner, because really the only additional revenue that you're going to get outside of maybe leasing a, you know, finding an alternative revenue stream on site somehow, maybe running a handyman service or leasing out the community clubhouse or something late fees are the only way besides raising rents right now are the only, and you're not going to raise rents right now. Late fees are the only additional income you can get. And quite frankly, it's not, it's not, it's, it's supposed to be the cherry on top, not the main driver there. Yeah. So at least from a real estate perspective, you really just got to hunker down and work with people and try to do your best to collect. You got to double down on your collection efforts right now. So for outside of that, uh, I, I don't want to speak towards other businesses uh, because this is what I know. Um, but I will say if you have access to cash, you need to get it and you need to at least have it in your back pocket because if this gets prolonged, you've got to, you've got to be able to have access to capital. Yeah. I mean, like we said, uh, I remember like on the last episode that we did together when you were first invited, we were talking about cash as capital just because like you expressed, for example, while your childbirth, like you had to be outside of work for quite some time or in case of an accident, like we all talked about it. And 
I say this all the time, even if it's like 10, 20% of like your paycheck, just consider it's taxes. How great does it feel to get a refund at the end of the year? Consider it's taxes and put it completely in a whole different account because you don't know situations just like this. And then Lee also has another question, Ryan. He says, what things will you change going forward in your business plan to protect yourself and business for something like COVID-19 2.0 or something similar? Well, I hope there's not a 2.0 version coming out, number one. Yeah. Well, I, I think it is inevitable. I mean, yeah, we haven't seen a massive pandemic like similar to this since 1918. But if you follow Bill Gates at all, you know that it's an inevitability. I mean, you got to look at uh, how easy it is to get around the world right now. And scarier than that, how much recycled air there is while traveling because they jam pack in people in these airplanes, which has recycled air. Cruise ships are all recycled air. Trains are, especially in Japan, heavily, densely packed. So, I mean, it's just a perfect breeding ground. And, you know, and until we can develop herd immunity from a lot of stuff, it's it's going to be tough. Um, and I also want to thank Lee Black for not asking any. <laughs> he knows a little too much about me. So uh, <laughs> thank you for keeping it professional, my friend. Um, what things am I going to change going forward? Look, I, you know, I, I am so thankful that we have been very adamant about keeping cash reserves for our turnaround properties because you never know when something's going to go. So for example, we're having to tap into city sewer right now uh, at one of our properties because we are, the, the septics are failing and it was something we knew buying the property. So we had already planned to do that or at least have a line of credit in the event we would needed to, to do that. But we were wrong in, in the regard of how, ex, how many of these septics were going to fail because we didn't anticipate 400% precipitation in by February. I mean, the, the amount of rain we've gotten this year has been unheard of, right? So in other words, there's going to be a margin of error that you have to calculate and and have in your reserves. So for me and my business going forward, I'm probably going to apply this same concept of keep cash in the properties uh, rather than getting aggressive on distributions for longer. And in terms of pandemics, I mean, I don't know how frequently this is going to happen. I mean, with population exploding and you know, with, with how easy it is to travel, you know, I would hope that we listen to our scientists and we as a, a government and, and as a human species work together a little bit better. And I would like to think we get smarter on our mistakes, but when you study macroeconomics in general, you realize that systemic risk, it always, it's, it, it, it is always where you least expect it. And the smarter we get as a as a species, the more we're going to be able to find and eliminate risks before they even happen. So, I mean, yeah. how many recessions did we prevent because people are looking constantly for it? The one thing no one ever anticipated was a virus because we knew it was a potential threat. But it's Bill like Gates did tell everybody in 2015, nobody listened to him. This is the biggest I told you so. And unfortunately, we are where we are. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, though. How many other I told you so's are floating out there right now that we're not paying attention to? So many. So, so many. It's one of the biggest I told you so. It just right now we're suffering from medication because we are dependent on other countries. And right now yeah. that supply is cut off. So we see left and right, unfortunately, people they have under cancer treatments. They cannot take medication because the supply is not there. 
So there's so many I told you so's right now. And unfortunately, I hate it that we're getting a slap on our face this way. But we're just trying to stay positive for the long run. <laughs> Look, let me say this. I have been dead set on growing my business slowly and organically from the bottom up. I have had ample opportunity to go raise a fund, hire a bunch of people and grow, 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 grow fast, 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 fast. And although that could have worked out, it also could, it, that's a higher risk, higher reward type situation. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who have raised a lot of money who have a very short window to place all of that money. And I know several people that are probably going to go belly up, especially now uh, because of it. So, you know, I, <clears throat> I don't need to be rich tomorrow. I would rather, you know, at 30, about to be 33 years old, I would much rather uh, have an easy time in my 40s and yeah. a tougher time in my 30s than try to get rich quick and end up just shooting myself in the foot. So for me, my best advice to folks is, is grow slowly, sustainably, organically. Don't rush to distribute. Don't rush to get overly aggressive because you never know when something like this is going to happen. And I knock on wood, I think that because I've taken a more conservative yet firm and aggressive approach, because I've had enough cash reserves, I, I, I knock on wood, I'm going to be just fine. And not only that, I'm going to have the cash in, in reserves to, to buy some pretty awesome properties here in the next coming months. And that's what Lee was asking. Do you think there are opportunities to build your brand in a, a possible recession or would you stay conservative and not buy more properties? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, step one is survive. Step two is thrive. So step one for the next six months, I want to make sure my business is fine. My employees know that they can trust me, that I am steering the ship in the right direction. And that when we come out of the storm, when it starts to abate, we are ready to pounce. So I would say step one right now, um, I know a lot. I've gotten a lot of phone calls recently about folks asking me when they should start buying. And the thing is, if people are calling me and mass asking about when prices are going to come down, they're probably ready to buy, meaning the demand to buy properties has not waned. And the supply also has not waned because everyone's basically bracing. So the pain isn't going to be felt for a month, two months, three months, possibly longer than that. And unless um, the demand changes, if supply isn't going to change, we are basically in a holding pattern until one of the two, the supply or the demand changes um, or both change or you know, who knows, maybe if we are, if I'm investing in recession resistant prospect, mm -hmm. uh, cash flowing assets, maybe nothing happens. Maybe people just don't want to sell because they need that cash flow right now. So, you know, from my perspective, step one, survive, buckle down, make sure your systems are airtight, make sure you have access to liquidity, even if you don't need to hit it, because you don't know how long this is going to go. There's a lot of uncertainty. You need to pay your bills. You need to survive. And then once we are reasonably confident, the worst has passed us yeah. Then get ready to pounce. Awesome. Well, I thank you so much, Lee, for the, for the great questions because Lee had multiple multiple questions in a row, and he also says great podcast. So thank you. We really appreciate that. And uh, Ryan, sure. I know you also have a podcast, and you recently did mention on your on your recent podcast to like how this economy and how everything going on is going to affect everything. Can you tell the audience about your podcast and where can they find you? Because I'm sure somebody would like to get a hold of you and maybe have a one on one or consulting because you've been on the business for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So you definitely be very appreciative of any information. So where can people find you? Tell us about your podcast. Absolutely. Uh, and by the way, 100% free. 
I, you don't need to pay me a penny. I, I absolutely am willing to help anyone for uh, in any capacity that I can. I want to help you. I want good people to be successful. So if you heard this podcast, uh, this live stream, and you have any question for me, by all means, come find me. I would love to help you in any way that I, I can. Thank you. My podcast is called Mobile Home Parks in Real Life. I stress the in real life portion. My last name is spelled N-A-R-U-S. That's N like Nancy. Like Tupac, I ain't hard to find. To my knowledge, I am the only Ryan Neris in the world. My LinkedIn is the first thing that comes up when you Google me. Uh, my second thing that, that I believe comes up on a random Google search is my website, ArchimedesGRP.com. You can contact me both ways. Like I said, if you want help with real estate, you got it. You want me to connect you with someone and you're not even in real estate, you got it. Whatever you need, I right now, especially is the time where we hunker down and we help each other out. And that's what I'm about. I'm, I want to help people. I don't need a penny in exchange. Um, I just like to say this. Um, you can thank me by kicking some butt and letting me know that you kick some butt. So if you took my advice, I, I, I can't tell you how flattering it is when I get texts, emails, calls from folks who took my advice and it worked. That's the that's better than any amount of money you could ever give me is, hey, Ryan, you helped me out. I did it. I took action. It worked. I got you to thank for this small portion of a, a larger um, portion of success. I, yeah, Whatever you need, you got it. Come find me. Also, reach out to Ryan too, guys, if you want to master and negotiation skills at this time, which is very important. He's really, really good at that too. I'll just tell oh, you guys you. that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. When you've been in the business world and when you've been in sales, your negotiation skills, this is for you to pump it up and this is for you to actually put to practice all the skills that you've learned throughout the years for anything. Yeah, I've uh, I've had some wild times. I've had to negotiate for my life, which was pretty bizarre. I've had to negotiate for rent. I sold you and I both sold cars. That's every day is a negotiation, and it's uh, yeah, it's a vital, crucial skill that everyone I think needs to have at least at least be comfortable doing, even if you're not a rock star. And I am by no means a rock star at it. I'm just comfortable doing it. So yeah, folks, now is the if you don't have that skill, that is absolutely crucial. Because uh, you're negotiating every day, no matter what business you're in. Also, you're negotiating with your mindset right now, too. This is one yeah. of the biggest struggles. Yeah. Ryan, thank you so, so much for being a part yeah. of this live stream. I know we had a lot of questions. If you guys have more questions, just go ahead and email me or send it on my inbox, and I'll make sure to connect with Ryan. Plus, he's tagged on this. So definitely feel more than free to reach out to him and listen to his podcast. It's a great podcast, great information about the real estate mobile home parking in real life. So he honestly keeps things very real. It doesn't, it's not very sugar layered in there. He'll tell you just how it is. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Any last thing yeah. you want to tell all the business owners out there to be positive? Yeah, we're we're going to get through this. If you run a tight ship, you're going to be just fine and you're going to be primed to kick some serious butt on the way up. Look, like Mark Cuban says, everyone looks like a genius in the bull markets. Okay, we're about to face a bear market. So if you are truly different and you're truly a rock star, now is the time to shine. So yeah, it's scary. But if you really have a tight ship, now is going to be a wonderful time to create a case study for how you do well, whether the economy is going up or down. 
And now you have time in your hands too, so maybe you can yeah. take the play that idea. <laughs> no excuses, that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for yeah. tuning in on this live stream. And like I said, for any questions, feel more than free to reach us out.